uh, Kelly Maine. My name is Kelly Maine. There you go. And Kelly, what do you do? What are we going to talk about today? Uh, well, I guess uh, my my acting background it, and how it pertains or or is an asset to business and and back and forth that sort of thing. But I mostly my acting is, is my understanding. Or we could completely ignore its practical effect on anything you do for money and only That's, explore it as a pure art form. That that works for me too. Yeah. Okay. So then my first question, which I'm curious about, and I don't think I've ever asked you, yes. is thinking back, when was the first time you tried acting beyond just kid make-believe? Do you have like an or a thing that happened way back when you were a kid? What yeah. happened? It's such an embarrassing story because it's so yes. cliche, but anyway, here we are. Um, it's actually my first memory. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Yeah. I was like four or five and, and my mom, well, I don't know whether I was acting, but this, this is my first memory of being like, I want to be an actor. Uh, uh, I had gotten one of those little kitty uh, record players, the plastic ones with the 45s. I, you're probably too young for this, but anyway, they had little. No, no, I, had, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. So the story was about Tina, the ballerina and Tina, the ballerina loved ballet. She went to the ballet, the woman who was the prima ballerina, you know, did a twirl and sprained her ankle and Tina jumped from the audience onto the stage and became wildly, you know, successful and was a prima ballerina. And I, I said, that sounds like a good, idea. I could do that. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Wait, but does that mean, you know, your acting formation, actually it was, was it just performing or at that time you're like, I want to be a dancer. I was, I was studying dance. I started studying dance, I think at four or five, something like that. I begged my parents and they let me start to study dance. And so then I guess, you know, like, like most little girls, I liked ballerinas, you know, things like that. And so, um, yeah, I got that little record. I thought that's, that's what I'm going to do. And honestly, I haven't wavered up, wavered from it since. Uh, it's kind of weird, but that's how it is. So, so at such an early age, like this is like a huge, like core memory stuck in you. What, yes. how did, what, what dance and acting did you do as you got older through elementary school and middle school and high school? What did, what did that, what did that still in school career of art look like? Uh, I started with, I think it was like a combo class, like tap and, and gymnastics and something else. Mm -hmm. And I was did tap dance for a long time. And there was a point in high school and I took singing lessons. I took acting lessons and uh, classes through the church, et cetera, et cetera. And I did a lot of stuff. I'm a preacher's kid. So I think my first performing really was in the church okay. um, at church camp and things like that. And, uh, but there was a point in high school where weekly I was taking tap, jazz, ballet, acting, singing, and mime, like six lessons a week. Uh, did your parents at any point, because, okay, if you're a preacher's kid, that also, preachers, rabbis, priests, they tend to be very super busy. They have a busy life yes. tending to the congregation. Were right. your parents always ultra supportive, especially if that max time, I was taking six lessons a week outside okay. school. Okay, like that's a lot. My parents drove me to a lot of lessons. I, I thank my mom for it these days. I don't know that you appreciate it when you're younger, but my parents were lay ministers. So they did it as kind of a hobby. It, okay. It's a church in which there's one pastor, but even that is a volunteer position. So they weren't as, uh, you know, 
um, they didn't have that much responsibility in that regard, but then they had their full-time jobs. So, um, and they were very, you know, we went to church two or three times a week and, and, you know, they were very involved, very spiritual people. So uh, they did not push me to do it. They were very supportive though. It was, it was kind of a perfect balance. Um, my mom's always loved the arts. She introduced me to the arts. We share that love, but she certainly was no stage mother. And if I wanted to do it and they could make it happen, you know, they do it, but I had to be invested in it. And I was so passionate about it. I think they, uh, you know, they, they did everything they could to support that hobby. Which is pretty what, awesome. Is in that church, was it a very uh, progressive liberal church? I know sometimes there's a worry that people in some conserv more conservative churches, there's a worry that kids going into the arts, that this is a place right. of loose morals and out of control <laughs> right. stuff. Did they, did they worry about that at all? Or the fact that your mom kind of had a good vision of what art is anyway and didn't feel that weird about it? They didn't. They, they, they were really supportive of it. And when I say they, I would say, you know, my dad was not into the arts. He came to all my shows and he was sweet and he paid for yeah. the lessons and he drove me, but he didn't really get it. Like one show was the same as another. After every single show, he'd say, well, well, honey, that was real nice. Every time that was real nice. And then I did a sort of naughty show once and he went, well, except for the dirty parts. That was <laughs> so that was like his. Uh, but my mom, you know, she she didn't like Elvis. She liked Leonard Bernstein. Right. Like she was a. She loves classical music. She's a big arts person. And uh, so she was incredibly supportive. But again, without being pushy about it, it wasn't her dream. It was mine, you know? That is nice. She wasn't trying to live through you. And you weren't, it doesn't, even, your your dad just wasn't into it. So he's, if That's you, right. I love you. If you like this, great. Yes. I will show up. I will try not to sleep. I will, <laughs> I'll bring you a rose at the end of the show. You know, he was just, he was as supportive as, as he could be. Right. When uh, you were at that max time where you were, you're in school full time and yeah. um, you're, you're taking all those lessons every week. Was yeah. it just like the most fun thing you could do? And that's why you just ate it all up. Or did you already, were you coming up with some career path or, or you had some goals for like, I know exactly where this is going to go. Or were you just kind of, just in love with that life of getting to do this all the time during the week. Uh, I uh, honestly, from the five, since I was like five, six, I was like, I'm going to be a dancer and then okay. I'm going to be an actor. So I was driven, but it was, I was driven because I was so passionate about it and loved it so much. Um, and I also did a lot of community theater, a lot. Some of it was a little waiting for Guffman. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. Uh, but it was a just, little the, yeah. the, the caliber a little shaky sometimes just you know people are in their own whatever and so yeah. but it was a lovely way to grow up because i had all these adults in my life who were very sweet and kind to me and i was a bit of an oddball i would say i grew up in independence and that's a you know blue collar town and blue collar family and i think everyone just sort of thought what's going on with her like she was mostly everyone was confused so uh theater was a place i felt you know accepted and appreciated which was nice was um so it, it gave you a group to fit into and mm. you just love the idea of it as a kid as you mm. sort of matured out of kind of being enamored of it as a kid and then becoming mm. an adolescent did it 
were there other ways that like fed you? Was there something about either performing in front of an audience or just dancing and doing the art? Like which had more draw for you? Mm. I think performing in front of an audience and I, I kind of moved from dance to acting because a, I did not have a dancer's body. And back then that was absolutely critical. And B, I found theater more interesting. I like the language of it. I like this. The, there's better storytelling and it's, uh, I just found it more captivating and it's really, I have to say, it's really fun to be on stage. I love it. It's a, it's pretty awesome. What is about it that's different than like in a, in a regular job where you have a win one-on-one or you have a win with a small group, what right. is it about the experience of either soloing or doing together in front of an audience that feels good? I think it's the energy. I feel, you know, for whatever reason, I think I'm, I'm a sympathetic person and I do feel people's energy and I, the energy from the audience is great. You, you're taking them on a trip and when they give, when they, when you feel them surrendering themselves to the play, not necessarily to you, but to the play, it feels really great to like take them on a, on a ride. Okay. I did. I love that you said, you know, the energy of the play, like even if you're kind of going up and doing a monologue, did you always feel like this isn't just me? There's always a play right there, or there's always the stage people who put this together. Did you ever, I'm never alone. I'm participating in something here, but it's not just, they're not just looking at me. 100%. Yeah. Okay. It's a weird trick in that it doesn't, it's you, but it's not you. <laughs> right. So it's like, you, you can be more honest as an actor about yourself in your work because nobody knows what's, uh, I don't know, what what is informed by my personal life and what's, what's informed by my research or my studying or my instincts or whatever. So uh, it's, it's pretty thrilling because you don't have to be yourself. You get to be somebody entirely different. And that's really fun, I think, and interesting. And I think it grows you in a way that, other things can't. Are there are there particular roles at that time when you were going through middle school and high school and and spending maybe the a, a ton of time against, you know, uh, six outside lessons a week? Um, oh. Are there particular roles that really changed you during that time that you still think about? Like I, that tweaked something in me, and I changed after that. Yeah, yeah, I, I was. You know, as I said, I was, I was in dance. I was about 12 years old. I was starting to get interested in theater. And my mom saw in the paper, they had an open call at Starlight for chorus, basically, for a, a musical called Oliver. And it was a way for them to, it was a touring company that went from city to city. And so they, in order to not have to pay the greater extended chorus, they would just get local young people to volunteer basically okay those interns but it was a way to not pay actors is really what that comes down to <laughs> um i was I, I just thought okay well i'll go it'll be fun and uh i think i was number 244 so that's how many girls at least auditioned and there were some after me and there were six parts and so i just didn't think anything of it i thought it was a fun thing to do yeah and i kept they kept cutting everybody else and keeping me cutting people and keeping me. And I kept being stepped behind. And I was, it was just like astounding to me. And then I got a part at starlight. That's first show I was ever in. That was like a professional show. Was it starlight, which I think is crazy. Yeah. So that was an amazing time. That was the, 
I felt like, you know, such a star, which of course is ridiculous. You couldn't even find me on the stage. I think at one point there were 60 people on the stage, right? And uh, my whole church rented a bus and had like a potluck and everybody rode the bus to Starlight. And they bought a whole block of seats. And then they were like, where is she? <laughs> uh, they were supportive and sweet and kind. And I had a grand time. And also something else that happened was um, this, the so the guy who played Oliver yeah. was a professional actor from New York. He was on the tour, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, we were all, there was about 12 of us that were preteens and early teens. And uh, I had a little crush on him and I, I imagine he had a little crush on me. And so I had my little first kiss, you know, backstage it was very romantic and glamorous. And I just thought, Oh, this is it. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. It ruined me. <laughs> did never had a better theater experience since than that two weeks but anyway a uh, couple years later I'm watching TV and I see I see the guy and it turned out to be Christian Slater wow isn't that weird I, it, I, oh the, and you didn't right you did not know and only later on like, he was just some actor from New York yeah some 12 year old actor from I was taller than he was Brendan and you know how tall I am <laughs> he was, yes, he was. He that must have been before whatever growth spurt he got later yes. in adolescence or whatever. Okay, yes, he was a very sweet little cherubic little boy. Okay, so that does sound like an ideal thing where you kind of go in. Well, I'm just going to have fun. So you have what so many people talk about when they go into this. Um, when they go into the tryout process, mm. well, I'm loose. Like if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't. I don't desperately want it because that'll mess me up. So you were loose when you went in. You're like, oh, look, I made it. And it was amazing. Your whole church came. You kissed right. Christian Slater backstage. You know, honey. The whole thing was amazing. So then a one thing that turns people off with the arts oftentimes is the competition. So you have this amazing thing where you were loose and then was there a point at which you said, oh, this spoiled me? How did it spoil? How did that spoil you for the future of tryouts and the future of the kind of work you have to put into it? It absolutely spoiled me because it never went like that ever again. <laughs> never again. Okay. What, were other, what was it more Where typically like? Ever since. Huh? I'm sorry. What was Jesus. it more typically like? Uh, more typically you go, well, you know, I lived in New York for 10 years. So for a long time I did, uh, um, cold calls okay. uh, in New York. And so you'd get up super early, you'd go and you'd get a spot and you'd hang out until it was time for your spot. Could be hours in between. You had one minute, you know, like <laughs> out of a hundred people and then you don't hear from them again. That was pretty much my experience. But you were there, how much of that 10 oh. years were you actively daily or weekly doing that? Yeah, I was, I misspoke. I tried to be an actor for 10 years. I was there for 13 years. So I got my theater degree from NYU and that's uh, what, where I started. And then after I graduated, I just was very tenaciously pursuing, you know, being an actor. And so I was a receptionist and my ex-husband and I were uh, superintendents of a building. So I hauled the trash and mopped the floors and, you know, it was, I had all those jobs that you're supposed to have when you're struggling. Yeah. so to speak. Um, it was thrilling. It was awesome, I have to say. And then it wasn't awesome. And so then I stopped doing it. But uh, it was 
how many people get to really pursue their dream, like really pursue it? Almost no. Most first of all, most people won't even start the thing because they look ahead and think, well, this is a hard thing. I don't think right. I'm cut out for it or I'm afraid of it. So they wouldn't even have started it. Would have bailed on those dance classes and that tap long ago. They would have quit yeah. the community theater and said, look, I'm not going to be able to do this. They would have quit. Yeah. Well, I think that was actually part of my motivation was when I, because I did do a lot of community theater and stuff as a kid. And I saw these adults who had a dream, but it was a dream unfulfilled. And so they were always sort of stuck. Um, or do you, or do you know much about Chekhov? I, oh, I so much wanted to ask you about, uh, so uh, acting technique and your thoughts about that. So no, go ahead. Well, Chekhov was a writer and, and, and yeah. there's a play in which the, the characters spend the whole play going, we're going to Moscow, we're going to Moscow. And then they just never go to Moscow. It's like waiting for Godot. They go, we should leave. And then they just sit there. And so, I feel like I, because I witnessed that as a young person, I thought, you know, I need to figure out whether I can do this or not so I can move on to something else if I can't, you know. Um, so that was actually, it was a react, my doing it was a reaction to watching other people for whatever reason not do it. And so I can't feel anything but blessed because I got to do, I got every advantage to do what I wanted to do. Uh, before, during, and after, did you always have that? So in other words, when you were middle school, high school, college, when you started thinking about, you know what, I'm going to take advantage of this because I've seen people who, who've been around me and I've seen that they got stuck and I know right. they wanted to try, but because right. of either their circumstances, they didn't try. Did you always have that perspective or is this perspective you have now because you're like me, a mature adult who's thought this through? Oh, I always had that perspective. I was... Okay. I was doing shows with the ducks and going, hmm, yeah, I'm going to note to self. Don't, you know, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it's why I, I auditioned for NYU. I, I, I had gone to MU for two years. I was in their theater program. Huh? It was going well, but I'd pretty much taken all the theater classes I could take. And I just really wanted a conservatory environment. And so I thought, well, I can either sit around and gripe or I can just do, I can audition for the craziest thing I can think of. And for me, the craziest thing I could think of was, was NYU. Yeah. So, you know, my mom was a travel agent at the time and I was dating the man who would become my husband and would become my ex-husband at the time. And the three of us went for this big audition. And at the, I, at the time it made, you know, one out of every 150 people who auditioned get into that program. So, you know, it was definitely a long shot. And uh, and I did it mostly just to shut myself up. But I remember uh, I had picked out my little outfit. I had my little wool, uh, you know, pants, pleated pants. And I was looking very sweet, Midwestern, conservative girl, right? Yeah. And we walk into the audition and it's just a sea of emo. It's just like, <laughs> just like black eyeliner on and they're all, you know, and my mom turns to me, she goes, we got to buy you something new to wear. And she, she literally wanted, wanted us to leave and buy an outfit and come back. And I was like, Oh, this is who I am. This is me. Right. Like they're going to, if I belong, they're going to recognize that. If I don't, I'll do something else. So uh, there I was with my cute little mint green limited, top 
now I, see, I know you from working in sales and now I kind of get, I am amazed. I will tell you, I did not, I do not and have never had that kind of confidence where I could walk. I could go do that where I can be myself, but internally I have to fight in there. And it sounds like you were the one other people are like, no, no, let's, let's, let's change. Let's quick. Let's go get you changed. Yeah. Like, no, I don't want to. Where, yeah. where the heck did that, where did that confidence come from? Just, were you born with that? You know, I think so. And I know this because I, my son has that aspect of my personality and it's just baked in him and he is the most confident. And I, I don't know where it comes from. My dad was like that too. Would they're just, I mean, it's a false confidence. Sometimes I think, I think the way that I'm shy is I'm confident. That's actually more accurate. If I'm in a position where I'm feeling self-conscious instead yeah. of pulling in, I push out, but it comes from the same place that makes sense. How did your confidence feel? So, um, so you get into NYU, you're, th I, I mean, again, it's a long shot. It feels like that time you're like, well, maybe I'll get into the Oliver course and maybe I won't, but either way, whatever. <laughs> right, exactly. And you do get in and you go, what was that experience like? And was it, did it help your confidence or did you get whacked around because now you're kind of competing with a new class of kids? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know that it ever hurt my confidence, but it was hard. Like the teachers were really hard. Uh, one of my teachers finally got fired because she grabbed a student by the hair and drug her across the stage. Holy that's how crap. she finally got fired. So it was like, it's almost like football coaches, right? They, they tear you down and then they build you back up. Right. So uh, it wasn't nice anymore. That's <laughs> for sure. Um, but it was fascinating just fascinating and thrilling and i loved every bit of it because i got to learn about i mean i think part of the reason why i did get in with my little pleated wool pants is because the way that they do the theater program at nyu is they basically farm it out to different schools in new york and each school is a little bit different and takes a little different kind of student and the one they placed me in was estella adler which was classical so i got mm -hmm. to study shakespeare and and check off and you know all of that and i loved it it was just so interesting um and i i found my people too i would say like i i had not until then found my people and i felt really comfortable and i still have friends from that uh time in my life to this day none of them are actors ironically but <laughs> <laughs> but they are using what they've learned in other ways they are actually one's one's doing like uh it works for a theater in the education wing and another's doing like drama therapy and i have a few uh, not my dear close super close friends but i have a friends that i see on tv all the time and it that is fun to be like oh hey look it's so and so yeah but Did, um yeah. in the in the way you in the way you had kind of outward sympathy and noticed those people, you could see people who were stuck as you were getting, and you're like, well, I don't want to get stuck that way. I'm yeah. curious about the time at NYU because when that switchover happened, for instance, I went to grad school. It was not a hard, it was not a difficult program, but grad school by its nature is difficult. Basically, yeah. you just get planted. You're with all the smart kids. So in right. NYU, you're with all the talented. So now all the kids are talented. Sure. That's the new baseline. And some people really, a couple people kind of freaked out and left the program. Yeah. Did you also, in the same way you were sensitive to seeing older people and how they hadn't taken the jump, were you a bit, how did you react to seeing the people who kind of got kind of crushed by that system. Yeah, a lot of people did drop out. Um, and I thought they were smart. <laughs> I was like, I 
wish I wasn't addicted to this thing. Um, and then I, I had the good fortune of when you're at a big school like that, you, you almost never get time on the stage. You, it's hard to get cast in like a school production. There's probably four or five, six, something throughout the year. And I was lucky enough to do two or three, something like that. And then in our class of 25, uh, the policy in that particular school at that time was that they only gave out five A's. So it doesn't matter whether the whole class was terrible or the whole class was wonderful. They, they only gave out five A's and okay. I was got an A. So I guess it, get, it did give me, I continued to feel confident about my abilities. And I was naive enough to think that if I just got all the best training, worked harder than everybody else, you know, made more sacrifices than anybody else, that it would just be a matter of time <laughs> before. Uh, and I'm not saying a star. I just want to be a working actor. You know, yeah. that was it. I, I wasn't interested in, I want to make my living as an actor. Okay, so you have good experiences with the teachers and you developed good relationships with this new like group. Like these are my people. And yes. you're, some of you are going to stay there in New York. Some are going to move, but there's something. It's like a, what is it like in those years after NYU when you are, again, you're grinding. So you're doing all those hard jobs to make money and you're going out for all these, all these tryouts. What was it? What is that like? It was, it was a uh, thrilling at first, but it's, it's challenging. It's demanding. Uh, it was, you know, uh, you, you get to a point where you start to create your own projects or you get with other people and try to create projects together. But then it was just, we were just all going to see each other's shows. Nobody who could yeah. help us saw those shows because there were so many plays in New York and they're going to go agents and managers, uh, particularly agents, are very hard to find. And they go to, you know, Broadway or off Broadway. They're not going to go to the off, off, off Broadway. You know, <laughs> some of these plays were like, I have a temp job in an office. We're going to put clip lights and push the desks to the side and put up folding chairs and do check off for three hours. Like, yes, it's just ridiculous. So after a while, it, you know, at first it was really fun, uh, but it was, it was a big dream and it meant a lot to me. And it was, it was rough for sure. Um, but I also had some great experiences, played some good parts, uh, were in some absolutely terrible plays. Uh, and, and that was kind of funny as well. Um, and you just realize that the, the earth's not going to swallow you whole. You know, as as in you were in some terrible stuff, and then when you're done, it's just like, well, the play's over. Nobody died. It's a, it's yeah, it's just a play. It's not because it was so important to me at the time, so important, and I would just be devastated because you know I'd maybe get in three or four plays a year, and you're doing all this other kind of work because you have this dream, and the next step is somebody sees you in something, and an agent hire you know an agent takes you on. And I just never made it to that step in New York. And so every time was heartbreaking because I was struggling so much to try to get to that next step. If I had to do it over again, I would be in a, I would stay in like Kansas City or some other market. I'd get my equity card and then I would go. Because when you're non-equity in New York, there's just, it's literally thousands of people. And, and, and the, the business is not built to be able to audition all those people or truly give all those people a shot. So, yeah, it was kind of interesting. And then I will also say, unlike today, thankfully, um, as a woman, particularly, you just, if you didn't fit, if you didn't look a certain way and fit a certain idea, uh, you, you just weren't going to work. And 
I finally got to the point where I knew I knew I wasn't going to get the job when this happened. I would go in and I would audition and I could tell they liked it and I felt good about it. And they would say, Kelly, that was so good. Thank you so much. And I'd be like, I'm not getting that part <laughs> because they, they, they like my work, but they didn't know what to do with me. And there is so much. Um, so how, but that is, that's years and years of that. Was it sort of uh -huh. filled with different small jobs and different, you know, again, pushing the furniture together out of the way yes. and doing these small yes. things. So it felt like there was enough of a mix. It wasn't like I, there was that period for two and a half years where I did nothing but go into tryouts and get nothing. There was always oh. something else to give you some energy during the same time. Yeah. I worked for free a lot, you know, and I, okay. uh, I did a lot of shows. I just, they were just crappy off of Broadway shows that nobody that could help me saw or cared about. But I had a couple of plays that I really loved actually. And I wrote a one woman show to try to promote myself and which is so cliche, but that's what I did. And I wrote some one acts that I submitted to one act festivals in which other theater students went to see it. And we all patted each other on the back about how great we were, but you know, it just didn't do any much good. And a couple, you know, uh, good opportunities, but for whatever reason, uh, I never did, you know, pop up to that next level. Is there a point at which you could have taken an off, you could, you could have stayed on the highway and turned it up to 11 where you could have like, I'm going to do everything and sacrifice everything. Do you feel like there was always a part of it you were holding back to be like, it would be unhealthy to take this next step. This would be too many tryouts or this would be too much, you know, uh, uh, trying to get into the right groups and make friends with the right people. That There was some right. core of you that like, wasn't going to go all the way and give yourself up for it. Yeah, I do remember because I was married. I was happily married at the time. I did know I wanted a family and I remember, <laughs> So one time, I don't know who thought this was a good idea. Uh, Woody Allen decided to have an open call audition, right? Okay. This is a very stupid idea because <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you're asking for trouble. So people got there like the night before it snowed. There were people, you know, four or five deep all the way around a New York city block. And there were several hundred, if not a thousand people showed up for this audition. And this is like seven or eight years into my uh, career. Yeah. So there we are. We're, you know, wrapped around the city block. And this is, you know, me, me taking lessons, me doing plays since I was 12, me going to NYU, all, et cetera, et cetera. Only five, six, seven years into my trying to be an actor process. And uh, some kid next to me turns to me and says, hey, have you ever been in a play before? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be here. And then there was also another woman next to me who was like my age now, who had never made it and had been trying to be an actor for like 30 or 40 years. And I was like, don't want that either. That's not going to be me. So this, the, whoever it was that organized this audition walked out of the, you know, the golden door yeah. and he had one of those huge round red carnival tickets like a round string of these red carnival tickets and people mauled him like they, <laughs> they like jumped on him and he panicked and he just started 
throwing the tickets up in the air, just like long rolls of tickets. All I could see was this this swarm of you know wannabe actors and just tickets being thrown up into the air. And I was like, I'm not running for those tickets. I'm not doing it. Uh, and one of my friends got a ticket and gave it to me. And you know, this is like freezing cold, waiting for hours that debacle with the tickets and then uh just to walk past a table that had Woody Allen and Sunyi sitting at it. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm feeling done. And there were there were several experiences towards the end of that 10 years in which I said to myself, self, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh I got I got lucky in that I got to be Uta Hagen's personal assistant in one of the last plays that she did at HB. And most people don't know who she is unless you're a giant theater nerd, but she's a, in the theater community there in New York, big deal, big teacher. I would say safe to say one of the best teachers of the 20th century and uh, a brilliant actress. Uh, and she was also a terrible human being. <laughs> and so... <laughs> That was not fun either. I have to say, I did not enjoy that. So for free again, with no money, uh, I'm I'm her assistant, which means I'm. Uh, she had this foster dog, or not a foster dog, a, a rescue dog, a little poodle, yeah. and it had to be with her all the time. So in rehearsals, I I was responsible for. And the dog's name was GB for George Bernard Shaw. GB. I had to have GB's pillow. I had to have GB, and. Uh, you know, make sure GB was good while being on book, which means that you're following along in case somebody forgets their lines and then you can feed them their line. And uh, GB was for, uh, yeah, GB was a sweet dog, but devoted, devoted to her. And she was such a brilliant actress. It was really hard to tell when she was acting when she wasn't because she really was amazing. Right. So if it was a play in which she was, there was drama and, and her character was upset GB would start to get upset. So GB would start to whine and growl and bark. And I had to like be on book while holding GB's mouth uh, in the theater and thinking, uh, why am I doing this? I went to college for this. What's happening? Um, she, but it was a, it was a gift to get to watch her through the whole rehearsal process, through the table read, how they, how she worked with the playwright and the director Um but she typically, when you go up on lines, you call line. That's a universal standard, right? When you're in rehearsal. Sure. She refused to do that because that brought her out of her character. So, and that's fine. But, uh, and because her she was so brilliant and, and her performance was never the same twice, um, she would pause and I, I didn't know whether she was acting or whether she didn't know her line. Then she'd scream right. me. Uh, give me my line, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, and I'm holding GB's mouth and trying to find the line. <laughs> it was just like, this is just insanity. This is crazy time. And then I was, I was there for the audition process for, it was a play with an older woman and a younger woman, and I was there for the audition process, and I, I devoted myself to that studio because I felt like they were my, at least they would be able to say, okay, you know, Kelly doesn't fit this ideal of the way a woman should look, but She's, you know, they would, they would value the work yes. and the technique. And at the audition, it was just a parade of, of, of talented and trained, really hot girls. And I was like, I 
I'm out. That that was really the final nail in my coffin. I was just like, I wanted, why am I doing this to myself? You know, it's too much. Do you remember as much? Do you remember as much of that closing the door on New York and moving away as much as you remember the start? Are they both strong memories or is it the start and all the experience? And then did you just sort of drift from New York? That's a good question. I think um, that was the end of me wanting to be a professional actor, but I was always going to live in New York. I did. I okay. loved living in New York. And so I was, I got into sales. That's when I got my first sales job. I did sales for a couple of years. And then I got pregnant with my oldest son and became a full-time mom. That's an adventure in New York City. Because uh, they don't have those in New York City. They just have nannies. Right. Um, and uh, actually, I remember the moment I decided we had, my ex-husband and I, we'd been considering moving back to Kansas City because we were both from here. Our families were here. And I, I remember the moment in which I realized it was time to go. And it was when I was, uh, by, I had, I took my, my baby, you know, toddler son to this YMCA mommy and me class or something. And it was me and all the nannies. Right. So, uh, there was a Halloween party that I got invited to. And I thought, Oh, that's nice. That's exciting. I'll get to actually meet the parents of these kids. And it was a costume party. And I thought, well, I'm going to kill with this costume because, it's a room full of people with toddlers, like people who have babies and toddlers and you're a parent, you know how hard that time is. So yeah. I was a new mom. I had like vomit in my hair and it was all, you know, stuck out all over the place. And I had two different shoes on and, and vomit on my shirt. And I was holding like a breast pump. I thought this is going to be awesome. Dark circles under my eyes. People are going to think it's hilarious. <laughs> So I show up to the front door, bye-bye, in my costume, and there's this perfectly coiffed, I imagine, partner in a law firm, mother, and she's just really confused, and she just thinks I'm having a very bad day. <laughs> she's really sweet to me. You know, she ushers me in. She has the, the head tilt and the soft voice. Oh, how are you? And uh, Because none of these parents raised their own children. None of them. Right. They didn't lose sleep. They were working 80, 60 hours a week uh, in a high power job to be able to afford their one bedroom apartment. You know, it's just like, I remember I walked to the back of the party and the superintendent's wife was there at the party and she took one look at me and she started laughing her ass off. And I thought, I, it's time to go. It's, these are not my people. It's time to go home. So, yeah, it's funny how those things happen. They just kind of cement what you've been suspecting for a minute. What did, so all the time in the dance and the music and the acting and, and the reading and the language, how does that manifest in your life post New York? When you and your husband at the time decided, hey, we're going to move back to where we have family. Did you always, did you keep acting all the time or did you keep trying to keep your fingers and feet somewhere in the art or is it just kind of sporadic? How, what was it like? Yeah, that's a good question. So I quit the business entirely. Like after that Uda Hagen okay, experience, right. I was like, I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're not going to do community theater in New York. That doesn't really, that's not really a thing. So I, I was a mom for three years. For the first time in my life, I didn't do a play for three years while I stayed home with my oldest son. And we moved back and he was like, you know, about three years old. And my mom, for the first time in my life, was pushy about it. She was like, Kelly, this is stupid. You're in a smaller market. You have great training. You love it. You're 
this would be a great thing for you to do as a full-time mom, you know, to kind of get some personal space. I will take the baby, go on auditions. And I was like, all right, I'll go on auditions, but you'll see it's not going to work. And then I started working locally in Kansas City. And, and I have to say, that's been the happiest time of my artistic career is the work I've done here in KC. Do you, have you, are there certain people now you know and you try to get into their stuff? Or do you kind of just yeah. keep your eyes open and like, well, maybe that, maybe this, or have you sort of fallen in with a crew? A crew? I think you do, because it's a smaller market, you do get to know everybody. And yeah. when you, when we go to see each other's shows, there's also the people who could give us jobs there too, right? Yeah. And so if it's opening, this is the great thing about Kansas City. If it's opening night and you go to a show and there's a little, you know, gathering in the lobby afterwards because it's opening night, you can walk up to the artistic director and be like, hi, I'm <laughs> Billy Mayne. I like to act. And if yeah. you show your face enough and you go to enough open call auditions, they start to go, oh, okay. But really open call auditions are not how you get work, I've discovered how you get work is you you're in plays and people see you in plays and then you show your face a lot. And then they go, Oh yeah, I remember I saw Kelly in that play. And there's this other part, maybe she'd be right for it. I should call her in for an audition. And that's usually what happens. Um, sometimes they get offered the part. Sometimes they get called into audition. I auditioned for two. I auditioned for three plays recently Two I did not get one. I did. So do you think people that's interesting. Um, that they so they see you and they start thinking about you and their kind of artistic brain kind of knows who you they know the way you talk and they know the way you walk right. and, and they know the kind of energy you bring and they think oh yeah this part ah, that does feel like kelly so maybe it's exactly. a much yeah it's a more creative process than thinking yeah. i need a round peg for my round hole plump <laughs> well it's always in some ways, it's always been like that. Like I had a friend in New York who was very successful. And I think it was a small group of people that all knew each other that did see each other's plays. And uh, and they were Broadway actors. And that, there's a whole clan there. In Kansas City, you don't need an agent to talk to those people or to yeah. interact with those people. So it's really up to you to kind of show up and, and show your face. And uh, I've been fortunate enough that sometimes people... And it is about reminding them, I think. That's the other thing I figured out. That um, there's two things I, I learned in, in New York. Doing, a, I used to be like, I just want to work. I'll do any play that comes okay. my way. But then that immediately classifies you within a certain group. And it's very hard to get out of that group once you're in it. So here I had to learn to meet the people I want to work with, talk to them, you know, relate to them, and, and try to work only with them and not just take anything because it classifies you in a way that it's hard to get out of. So it probably, so it probably shouldn't. Cause I can see how the two people, one person sort of you're talking about networks and waits for the right moment. And then other right. people are like, look, I have free time. So why shouldn't I be acting in whatever right. during my free time? And right. I can see how, yeah, from the outside, maybe some people who haven't ever thought about doing that will just hustle that, yes. you know, um, yeah, I could see how they'd be like, I've seen that. And they would of course see you in terrible stuff. That you didn't yes. have any control over or hear about it. Oh, yeah, she was in that play. That play was the worst play I'd ever seen. That's Horrible. to do with you, but you get the stink of it. <laughs> it's really too bad there's no video because I could do an impression of the looks on people's faces when you're in a bad play. It's really something, I have to say, Brendan. <laughs> One time, I had friends who did, uh, they did a Macbeth, and so and they all had to mess with it, right? Like, so they would do a clown Macbeth. So, like, <laughs> When people were dying, they'd like open up an umbrella and little red pieces of paper would fall out. And it was so bad 
that they stopped having intermission because if they had intermission, the whole audience walked in, <laughs> including their friends and family. So they just we were just captive for three and a half hours watching Macbeth, Clown Macbeth. Clown Macbeth. It's a wonder um, that didn't make it to Broadway and then a feature film. It's shocking that Peter Hall didn't just snap that right up. Uh, so yeah, you you make a good point. If they did see me, they most likely did not see me in my best okay. environment. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. What, uh, what has anyone ever come who's young and in the arts and comes to you and says, so should I, shouldn't I, or do you have yes. any advice? And can I ask you, is the advice different for every person who comes to you and asks you, or do you kind of give a general, here's the advice I have for someone who's going to be a performer or an actor? Well, I feel like I can give an opinion about whether they're skilled. Okay. You cannot give an opinion about whether they can get into the business or not. Because those are really two different things. Yeah. So what I usually will say is, uh, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. You're setting yourself up for a lot of heartbreak. So if you can imagine yourself not doing it, just don't. Uh, and then I and then I say, the truth is, all growing up, every time I met a professional actor, that's exactly what they said to me. Try not to do it. If you can do something else, do it. And I didn't listen at all. So I think... If you if you want to be an actor, you're going to try to be an actor, and if that's just a it's just a part of having the disease of acting. So it does feel a bit like it's just a compulsion that was in yes. you, and it and I like it because I at least the way you paint the story of your life, you had the compulsion, you had the fever, and eventually the fever broke, and you decided I don't want to go and get I don't want to be sick anymore. I want to go do something else now. That's exactly right. And I have to say that I think walking away was the best thing I ever did artistically. It was definitely the best thing I ever did in my personal life, but it was also the best thing I ever did artistically because I went out and, and had children and, you know, I was in offices and I lived the non-actor's life. And that informs my work better than if, if I had just, you know, been devoted to my art a hundred percent. I'd, I also, it, that thought, I bring it back to your parents who were lay ministers. I think people, a lot of times there's rabbinic schools or, or 16, 17, 18 year olds in the Catholic church go and become mm. priests without having any kind of, they just go straight into the priesthood or straight into the nunnery right. because they're so passionate about it. And they don't know what life is like out there for <laughs> other people. And these, yeah. these rabbis, it's their second career or the right. priest who come after they have a family, they know what it's like to be a regular person in the regular world in a way that probably an actor kid who pounded his or her way through that process. And then as an actor, they don't know anything about what life is like. You don't really. And, and, and that is part of it is you're making it up, right? You're just, you're doing your research, you're sure. trying to relate to the character, et cetera, et cetera. But yes, it, it it's a lot easier when you have all this life experience that can inform the choices that you make as an actor. It, I think you're better. I don't know how you play a parent if you've never been a parent. It, that to me would be very hard. Yeah. It's like trying to, to do a love scene having never been in love. Yeah. You could, you could probably, if you studied enough, you'd probably do a good simulation of it, but yeah. you're right, there probably something lacking. That, yeah. Okay. That kind of brings me to one of my last questions. I did okay. want to ask you, there's sometimes a lot of there's a lot of philosophy and ideas that go behind. You mentioned these these um, 
acting instructors you worked with. And a lot of times they have this big, full philosophy about what acting mm-hmm. is, about what That's it has right. to do in your soul and your heart and your mind and what you have to know. They have a whole theory about it. Did oh, you yeah. always get in with the theory of acting or did you feel like there was just something authentic about, look, you kind of just show up and learn the thing and see where it goes? Or did you have a process? I studied, I studied with people who had a process. And, and when okay. I studied with them, I chose to devote myself 100% to that their process because yes. I feel like once I'm done with that particular teacher I'll go to another teacher I'll, I'll study how they do it and another and I'll study how they do it and then I'll just kind of pick and choose from them what works for me I never really understood st- students who went into a because it is ridiculously clannish the at least back in the day it was when I was there you know there was Strasburg there was Adler's there was this there was that everybody was very uh, almost like they had religion, right? Like, <laughs> like the difference between Catholics and Baptists, right? right. <laughs> so, um, and I just never understood that. I thought you're here, you're here. Just give yourself to it and then figure out what works. Okay. So you didn't overthink the thinking, which I think happened with some of these schools. Well, you do, you, you immerse yourself in it. And when you okay. immerse yourself in it, you overthink it to death. Uh, there's nothing more tedious than being at a party with a bunch of actors. They talk about process and it's so annoying. <laughs> My poor husband, I swear to God, I'm probably divorced because he had to sit through way too many of those parties. So we talk about it incessantly. We think about it incessantly. It's ridiculous. But I think then you have to let it go and say, okay, well, what did I learn from that process? And uh, and that's really the fun part because that's what you contribute as an actor. You contribute your point of view and you contribute your choices within the structure of the play. Um, where is your acting and art uh, going from here? What do you, you did mention, yeah, just, I did, I tried out for three and got one. So it sounds like you're st- over each year, you're probably doing some acting stuff. Where Where is your art and acting going? That's a really good question, Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be going anywhere. I didn't, I'm not setting you up and like laying it out. It is the same uncertainty since I was 12 years old. It's the same. You just, you hope that I'm, I'm starting to age into a certain type now, which is good. Um, but there are less, as you are in your fifties and sixties, there are less parts um, than when you're in your thirties and forties. Uh, I'm doing a French festival show this summer and I'm playing a villain, which I never get to play villains. I always play nurses, nannies, maids, mothers, all, all the helping professions, right? Okay. But this time I get to play a villain. So that'll be fun. But I don't have a clue. I, it's entirely possible I'll never work again. It's entirely possible I'll do some really great stuff. And I guess that's the fun of it as a hobby. It's not the fun of it as a profession, but it is the fun of it as a hobby. That it can it can kind of go do something for a season or it cannot do something for a season. Right. And uh, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And with the pandemic, obviously, I haven't worked in a couple of years. This is another stretch of time that I haven't worked at all. But I did start that business, that performing business. So where we delivered live performance to people's driveways. Yes. Um, which is no longer because it's not it was really a good pandemic business, but it would need a lot more to have legs long term. I, I like like all drug addicts. I could not I couldn't give it up. I had to do it somehow. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And this was the one you were basically getting people, hey, uh, you get enough people together in your neighborhood or whatever for your business right. and we'll all show up outdoors and we'll do a performance. Yes. 
Yeah. yeah. Or it was, a, you know, an anniversary, special anniversary, just a couple. It would be a huge variety of, of different audiences, but it was all outdoors and masked and distanced. And uh, it was awesome. If if anything has ever taught me the power of live theater, it's that because people needed it so badly. They just came out of their houses like they were magnetically drawn to the edge of their yards and just... <laughs> Uh, we need it. We need to sit in the theater, whether it's a movie theater or a theater theater or, you know, a concert hall or what. We need to sit together and experience things. Have any of your children or other people in your family you're close to, have they also wanted to go into the arts? No, my, not at all. My kids could not be more annoyed about my work. Fascinating. Yeah. And um, I even, my, my son secretly got a theater, uh, lettered in theater in high school I didn't find out he was doing the tech stuff because he had a crush on a girl. Yeah. And so he did like two shows where he was the tech and uh, and he was very secretive about it and he didn't want advice and he didn't want me to talk to him about it. <laughs> it's it's really annoying. so annoying. And he, he when he was like nine, uh, I, I had brought him along to an audition at, at my agent's office and they said, you know, we don't have a lot of kids that age uh, boys. And would he be interested in auditioning for commercial? I was like, no, he's not into that. And they said, well, you know, bring him in. I said, well, okay, I'll ask him. And I asked him, he said, sure. So I brought him in and she said, does he act? Does he sing? Does he dance? I was like, he doesn't do any of that stuff. He's just a kid. He said, okay. So they took him to the other room. I'm sitting in the lobby. She comes out. She goes, I thought you told me he couldn't sing. I said, he doesn't sing. So well, he sang like a bird for me. <laughs> so he's, he got commercials. I mean, he booked commercials for a while uh, until he didn't like doing it anymore. But um I think he booked it because it didn't, he didn't care about it. It wasn't, yeah. it was money, man. And it was, it, he made some money. But I remember one time I was, <laughs> I was working on lines at the dining room table and it was a drama and I was feeling, you know, moved and I was, you know, quietly crying while I was working on my lines. And he walked by into the dining room and he stopped and he looked at me and he said, are you crying again? So yeah, they are not impressed in any way. I I love, it's one of my favorite things. The kid just doesn't care about mm -hmm. what you do. And they naturally shouldn't because they're separating from you as they grow up. That's correct. It's the most beautiful thing. It's the ultimate humility. I love it. It is. And it's also a sign that you're doing your job. Like only in parenting would your would success mean that you get completely rejected and punished. Right. <laughs> only in parenting. Yeah. Luckily, I have two great kids, and they've they have their own paths, and they're doing amazing things, uh, and I'm crazy proud of them. And I'm secretly really happy they decided not to be actors. <laughs>